they'll go easy on me, won't they, Mr. Ness? Three murders in two weeks? I'll go easy with you, all right. I'll put a cushion on the electric chair. I swear it will be done. You should not have come back. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today I'm talking about the good old days and the bad old days. And I'll explain that in a minute. But before I get to that, I'm going to give you the warning ahead of time. There's going to be a little politics in this episode today and I know I don't get political. I have my views. I do make them clear when I stream on Twitch. I think you can guess them from some of the things I've said over the years of this podcast. But I try not to force my political views on you or down your throat. You're allowed to have your opinion. I'm allowed to have my opinion. And if you like mine, you can listen. And if you don't, you don't have to. The same goes with this episode. And I'm telling you that because we're going to wind up with some political commentary at the end of this. So I figured I'd warn you ahead of time. But how we're going to get there is by talking about the good old days when I was brought up. And basically, this whole podcast has always been about the good old days when I was brought up, the things that I grew up with, the things I saw, the things I liked, the things I didn't like, because that's colored my view of the world ever since. Just like your upbringing is coloring your view of the world, my upbringing colored my view of the world. Now, I started by saying the good old days and the bad old days because we have great memories about what it was like when we were kids. Oh, it was so great. We did this. We did that. It was so wonderful. There was a lot of bad stuff we put up with, too. We tend to remember the good more than the bad, it seems. You know, except on those dark nights when you start thinking about that horrible thing you did in sixth grade or the horrible thing that happened to you in junior high school. Then you remember the bad old days, too. So I'm not trying to say the good old days were perfect and today is not. I'm not trying to say the good old days were really bad old days. I'm not trying to say the good old days were not that good. There was good and bad then. There's good and bad now. But what I want to talk about is some of the good from the good old days that seems to have been lost as the years go by. Now, I've mentioned this before, and we've talked at length in other episodes. We've talked about how people's attitudes have changed over the years, how doing the right thing, how doing the wrong thing, the view of that has changed over the years. And you can see that all over our world today. And I'll get to that in a little while. But what I wanted to talk about was how I was brought up to respect obligations, to respect your duties, to respect authority. People say, question authority, question authority, question authority. Don't take anything for granted. And yes, there's some truth to that. You do have to take some things with a grain of salt. But it's dangerous to have an absolute rule, question authority. You have to have a reason to question authority. And I'm going to try to explain that because it's not question all authority all of the time about everything. There's context, there's nuance, there's reasons. There's nothing wrong with questioning authority. You just have to remember why. You have to do it in the context of remembering that you're a member of a family. You're a member of a school community. You're a member of a town community. You're a member of humankind. And so you do have duties that extend beyond just you. We have a lot of people in charge of things these days who were raised by a generation who wanted to acknowledge their feelings and follow their dreams and do what they wanted to do, regardless of the effect that might have on anybody else. Your feelings are more important than anybody else's. There's a whole group of people out there who just do what they want to do and screw everybody else. 
They don't have a sense of duty to the family, to the school, to the community. Their only sense of duty is to themselves. When I was brought up, I was taught to be respectful. I was taught to be helpful. I was taught to be dutiful. I was taught to help my mother when she needed help. I was taught to help my father when he needed help, even if he didn't ask for it. If I saw my dad out cutting the grass, I was expected to go out and say, Dad, can I help you? Even if he said no, nah, I got it under control. I was supposed to go ask. If mom was peeling potatoes for a potato salad, I was supposed to and expected to ask to help. Sometimes she would take me up on the offer and sometimes she wouldn't. But it was my duty as a member of the family to ask, to offer my assistance. And the thing is, part of the duty was also just grabbing a peeler and peeling potatoes without even asking. I was supposed to just jump in. If I sat around reading a book, playing a game, just looking at the sky when my mother or father were working on whatever project it was around the house, I'd hear about it from the other one. If dad was out working, mom would say, go help your father. And if mom was working, dad would say, uh, go help your mother right now. It was just the way it was. And if I didn't, there would be consequences. The same thing with going to visit my grandmother. If we were planning a trip to grandma's, I was expected to go. And I was expected to be nice. I was expected to be pleasant. I was expected to show grandma respect. Even if I didn't want to be there, even if my friends were out playing, even if I could have stayed home and read my book, I was expected to go and required to go because it was my duty as a member of the family to do what I was supposed to do. I didn't get to say, I don't feel like it. I might say, oh, do I have to? And the answer would be, yes. And I might sit in the back of the car and be sullen for the entire trip. But boy, when I got out of the car at grandma's house, I better have a smile on my face. Why? Because that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you do. That's one of the real lessons that we learn in life is it's not always all about us. That's one of the early lessons that was taught to me. I didn't understand it as this at the time, but I understand it as this now. Life isn't all about me. The world doesn't revolve around me. Yes, it's important that I have happiness and that I do things that I like to do, but I have other things that I'm also supposed to do too. Now, as you get older, you can modify your choices, and depending on the kind of life you live and the kind of relationships you develop, your sense of duty and obligation can change as you get older because I saw my father change his duties and obligations as he got older and I recognized what he was doing. But for me, as a little kid, the groundwork was laid. You have certain responsibilities to the family. You have certain responsibilities to the household. When you're in school, you have certain responsibilities to school. Got to get your homework done. Got to show up for band practice. Got to do whatever you're supposed to do in school because you're supposed to do it. And if you get in trouble, that's on you. So don't get in trouble. Those are the things that were taught to me. Now, that's not to say that's still not being taught. It's just that it's not being taught quite as prevalently as it used to be. Not everyone is taught to respect their elders, to do the family stuff that needs to be done, to help their mother, to help their father, to go visit grandma. Not everybody gets that anymore. And so you're getting a generation of people that is teaching another generation of people that that sense of duty doesn't exist anymore. That life is more about what you want, what's important to you. How does this impact you? And if it makes you unhappy, you shouldn't have to do it. Now, this sense of duty, this sense of obligation, this understanding of responsibilities that I got 
was based on an overarching sense of duty, of obligation on a societal level that extended to things like the police and government. We did the right thing as citizens because it's the right thing to do. The police did the right thing because it was the right thing to do. The government did the right thing because it was the right thing to do. That's the way it was supposed to work. Now, it didn't always work that way. I'm not naive. I wasn't naive. Well, okay, I was naive as a kid, but I was brought up on what should be how you should act. And I realize now, looking back, it wasn't always the case. Things weren't quite the way they were presented. But back in the day, government was much more responsible. The police were much more responsible and accountable than they are now. As I said, I'm not naive. I know the police got away with crap and still do. I know the government got away with crap and still does. But there was a different sense. There was a different sense back then because there was a lot of people who did the right thing because it was the right thing to do. You did what you were supposed to do. Honorable people did what honorable people do. Follow the law. Follow the rules. Don't lie, cheat, or steal. And when you caught the liars, the cheaters, and the thieves, you got rid of them. You punished them. That's the way it's supposed to work. But of course, as time has gone on, the liars, the cheaters, and the thieves have started to take over because a lot more people have discovered, oh, they lie, cheat, and steal, so I should be able to also. The lying, the cheating, and the stealing is a very seductive combination. And if there's no consequences for that behavior, more people will do it. And so more people have done it over the years. As it turns out, all that honor and duty and obligation that a lot of us were brought up with, we haven't honored that. We haven't done what we were supposed to do. We tisk 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 about the liars and cheaters and stealers, but not enough of us do anything about it. As a result of that, the lying, the cheating, the thievery has become normalized. We're all much more willing to accept that that's a fact of life, that having politicians be liars, be cheaters, be thieves, that's just normal. Well, it's only normal because we've accepted it. And a lot of us shrug our shoulders, throw up our hands and go, ah, what can we do? And I'll admit there's not a lot that we can do on a day-to-day level. And I am going to point to things that have happened over the past four years. Because these are things, some little, some big, that we have accepted as a society and have allowed to become normal. It's just part of life. When these things shouldn't even be contemplated, much less accepted by us. Now, here's your fair warning. This is where I do get a little more political, so you can stop listening if you don't want to hear me disparage the current administration. I don't even like to say Trump's name. It's hard for me to say his name and president in the same sentence. And I am going to try to keep my commentary as civil as I can. But since I'm on the East Coast, since I'm in the area where he did all of his business dealing, I don't know if you could hear the quotes around that, but I put them there. I'm quite familiar with his lack of business prowess, his grifting skills, his con artist skills, and everything that he's done for the past 35, 40 years. This is probably one of the lesser evils that he did over the years, but it's one that stuck with me because at the time I was a huge sports fan. He bought into the USFL. For those who don't know, there was a spring football league called the United States Football League. They started that as kind of a supplement to the NFL. We all know how big the NFL is these days. Well, back in the 80s, the USFL came into being, and they had franchises all around the country, and they had some really good football. 
and they had a lot of money to throw around, and they drafted a lot of really good players. Steve Young first played in the USFL. Jim Kelly first played in the USFL. Any NFL fan knows those names. They're legendary quarterbacks who started in the USFL. It was a big league that had the potential to grow bigger until Trump bought his way in. And then in a misguided effort, which I won't bore you with, but in a misguided effort to challenge the NFL, he basically drove the league into bankruptcy. One of the many, 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 many failures of his career. Now, why do I focus on that one? Well, because it was sports, and I loved sports. I was into sports. I liked the USFL. I thought it was awesome. The New Jersey Generals were our team. I loved the USFL. And this guy bought into the league and wrecked it. It was like handing the steering wheel of an 18-wheeler driving 70 miles an hour down the highway to an infant and telling him to take charge. Ever since then, I've been aware of Trump and his constant and continual failings, but didn't pay him much mind until I had to, which was in 2015. One of the problems with a person like Trump is this. That sense of duty that I was talking about at the beginning, that sense of responsibility, that sense of obligation, that you owe something to the family, to the school, to the community that you're a part of. He doesn't have that. And what I've discovered in my life is people of privilege like him, who are never brought up to learn that sense of duty, who don't have to help mom peel potatoes, who don't have to help dad cut the lawn, who don't have to stay for marching band after school, who don't have to visit grandma when they don't want to, who don't understand that there is a right and a wrong and sometimes you have to do things that you don't like to do, people like that don't understand what most of us have to live with. And they don't care because they're used to doing whatever they want to do to help them and if they have friends to help their friends and if they help their friends, they expect their friends to do whatever they want them to do. And if you don't, you're no longer a friend because that's the sticky part there. You have to be loyal to that kind of person, no matter what. No matter what they do, no matter what they say, you have to be loyal to them or they cut you loose. Because they have no sense of duty, they have no sense of obligation, they have no sense of honor. The only sense that they have is the sense to take care of their own interests above all else. And that's the attitude that seems to be spreading across our country these days. Not everybody, I'm not saying everybody. But the people who have that mindset are now getting the message that it's okay to have that mindset. And it's not. I'm recording this during the COVID-19 emergency, so we still have lockdown rules in place. Social distancing, face masks, etc. But we're at a period now where there are people protesting that. Now, what are the protests based on? The protests are based on the attitude that, Well, you're making me do something I don't want to do. It's inconvenient for me. I don't like this. Why do I have to do this? I don't want to do that. Yes, I understand there are economic forces at play. Believe me, I do. And I'm out there supporting our local businesses. I'm going to the stores that are open when I have to to do shopping. We've ordered from local restaurants, but we're doing it adhering to the social distancing guidelines and the face mask requirements in order to benefit our community. Because we understand what the risks are. We understand that by not adhering to rules that benefit the community, we're putting our community at risk, potentially. Now, why are we aware of that? Well, I'm aware of that. Mrs. Gamerdude is aware of that. Gamerdude kids are all aware of that. Because they were brought up with an understanding that, yes, we're important individuals, but we're part of a community. 
And we do owe our friends and neighbors a duty of responsible behavior. And maybe it's an inconvenience for six, eight, ten weeks, however long it is. But we're pretty adaptable. Humans are resourceful. We'll be able to adapt and adjust. The fact that I might get bored for six weeks is not a reason for me to put my neighbors at risk. It's just not. Well, what about the small businesses? What about those owners who are struggling? That's where your government is supposed to help. I don't believe in too much government, but I do believe that government exists for situations like this. We have the money from the huge tax base that we have to take care of everybody if we choose to spend it that way. So that's what government is supposed to do. In this kind of a pandemic situation, government doing what it's supposed to do is supposed to take care of us so that we can take care of each other. That's that sense of duty, the sense of community, the sense of obligation to your community that we're all supposed to have. That's what was taught to me when I was a kid. Now, I don't know where a lot of these guys grew up, and I don't know how they were brought up, but if you don't have an understanding that you have an obligation that extends beyond yourself, then something went wrong along the way, at least in my opinion. But that's just one example of what we've been dealing with and what we've been experiencing and what we've been seeing over the past four years. There is a laundry list of stuff that we've accepted, that we've allowed to become normalized, because we're accepting people in charge of us whose interests extend no further than their own self-interest. They don't understand that as a member of a community, as a member of a society, we have obligations to each other as well as to ourselves. And if you go into government, if you go into public service, you have to understand that your job is to service the public and not your bank account or your friend's bank accounts or your family's bank accounts. Your job is to do good for the people you've chosen to represent. And the fact that we've allowed people in charge whose interests are only their own is terribly, terribly disheartening to me. Now, again, I understand Trump didn't win the election by the popular vote. He lost it hugely, to use his word. But the fact that he's in the White House now should be a call to action to those who believe that the good guys can actually win. That people who do the right thing do have a place in society and should actually be in charge. That people who understand public service, the people who understand duty and honor and obligation, should be the ones making decisions on behalf of all of us. That should be a wake-up call. Now, we've been dealing with this stuff for four years, and in four years, we've had horrendous, horrible things take place that we've just accepted because we really haven't had a choice. Whether it's little things, like disparaging the free press, or disparaging our Department of Justice, or the FBI, or by just disparaging the truth, those are little things in comparison to some of the other things. But each of those little things is important. And it's like a drip, drip, drip of a leaky faucet. It just constantly erodes at the foundations of what our society is based on. Democratic ideals and principles. By the way, there is no such thing as alternate facts. What that is, is this kind of person telling you, I'm lying to you. I know you know that I'm lying to you. And I don't care. That's the attitude that we're getting from the people in charge right now. And you're getting that attitude because their interests are their own. They don't care about us. They don't care about people who care about people. They just care about themselves. But it's those little attacks on the truth, on our principles, that are just the tip of the iceberg. 
whether you want to carry it over to the wholehearted embrace of autocracies and dictators, to the dehumanizing of human beings, separating families at the borders, keeping children and parents in cages, refusing to give people timely trials. Again, just the tip of the iceberg. But these are all things that we've come to accept as normal. We might go, oh, that's shocking, and then shrug our shoulders and go on to the next thing. But that's how they get away with it, when we just shrug our shoulders and go on to the next thing. Now, I'm not saying you have to be a volunteer at a soup kitchen. I'm not saying you have to go visit the nursing home and be a fixture there as the entertainment. I'm not saying you have to run for office in your local town. Although, if you are of a mind to, you should. If you believe that you're the kind of person who can steer the ship of state better than those who are doing it now, then you should. But what I am saying is that you shouldn't accept a reality that's defined by people who don't care about you, who have no sense of honor, who have no sense of duty, who have no sense of obligation beyond their own interests. You can make a difference. Government can make a difference when it's run correctly by people who care. And again, I'm not pretending that there's not self-interest involved in all legislation. The Civil Rights Act was huge, hugely important. Yes, motivated by self-interest, but also motivated by an understanding of what the greater good is. Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal, also motivated by self-interest for sure, but also hugely beneficial to the country at large, which was the point. Good government can make a difference, and it should make a difference in the lives of people who need it. Not everyone needs it, but some of us do. And if you want to help make a difference, it's okay to be in office to try to make that difference. But even if you don't want to run for office, make sure that you put people in there who are doing it for the right reason. Not to line their pocket, not to take your money, not to lie to you, not to make the resume look good, but because they understand what public service is, because they understand what it means to be a member of a community, and because they want to do the right thing. You can only make a difference if you give a damn. So what I'm suggesting is that you give a damn. This episode was inspired by a book that I've started reading. It's a book by Sarah Kenzior. It's called Hiding in Plain Sight. I highly recommend it. It's a great read. You may not necessarily agree with what she has to say, but it's enlightening if nothing else. Grab it on Amazon, grab it at your local bookstore, order it online, order the Kindle edition. But I'd put my hands on it and give it a read. And I do want to thank you for sitting through this political rant, I guess. It was more rant than stories, and I acknowledge that. But being home during quarantine gives me a lot of time to think. So this is what you get when I have too much time on my hands. But thank you for indulging me and giving it a listen. And thank you, as always, for just taking the time to listen. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Storytime. As I said, I really do appreciate you taking the time to be here. It means the world to me, and I can't thank you enough. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.